Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Apps. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are teen drama fan casting all over the OC. And we're in our last two months of the OC. Yes, we are. We are in the final stretch. I am not entirely sure anymore what that stretch will be because they keep on doing things and then stopping them. This show has no storyline any longer. Yeah, though There's I, no through arc. Though I will tell you, I have seen some shots in that whole, like, um, bef- because we watch our stuff on DVD, DVD we have, we, like, a collage of things upcoming. That give me some hi- some certain hints that apparently... Crunchy Chris Pratt is coming back at some point. There's definitely a scene... That we have not that seen. That we have not seen that he is in. Uh, there's an otter. <laughs> it's like a weird <laughs> flash forward of stuff. This one specifically seems to have a very big focus on Taylor's butt. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of Taylor's butt in this in this, main, this uh, disc. I mean, we got to have someone's butt. I mean, you can't look at Willa Holland's butt. She's a child. <laughs> they, they do keep putting her in positions where you do look at her butt, though, which is weird. I've never noticed before, and now it will be all I notice. They, well, I mean, they constantly put her in, like, well, they put in, like, the bathing suit to go seduce. Oh, what's Bullet's kid's name? Spencer. Spencer, the dumb kid. Now, this is a bad episode, because it has no Bullet and no Spencer. <laughs> Doesn't and have... And also no prostitution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, it it's, it is a very, I mean, it's... It's an episode that I almost wonder if they could have slotted in anywhere because it does. It only has one through line to anything else. To anything else, but you could probably excise that with just some scenes removed. And this specific story, like the main, the big storyline A of this episode, probably would have still fit anywhere. Yeah, because you could have put in a one scene that was like, "Hey." Frank went away for a while, and now he's back to do Frank things. <laughs> well, I, I just, you know, I mean, we all know at the end of the last episode, we learned that Frank is Frank Atwood, Ryan's dad. And I thought that would hold off for a little bit, because Frank really seemed like someone who had, like, a plan and was scheming. And then it nothing... Then he it, has <laughs> no... Like, we'll spoil it now. He's got no scheme. I, I well, It's like he... Ch- I mean, <laughs> yes, he did change characterizations between the two episodes. Yeah. Last time, Secret Frank... This time, Frank Frank. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's it's weird. It's a weird episode. Uh, I think at this point we sort of get into it before we just, you know, do any spoilers or anything. Before we just talk about Frank Frank the entire time? And before we just talk about Frank Frank the other time. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. This is The O.C. Season 4, Episode 9. My, <laughs> I hate this title. The My Two Dads. The My Two Dads. And this time we're not referring to Sandy and Ryan. Against all odds. Boy, this they... was really shoe... shoe sh- huh? <laughs> this is really shoehorning this in. <laughs> to the concept. Yeah. Why couldn't this just be called The Two Dads? The, yeah. It, <laughs> this, they really want The to be the thing at the beginning of each one, but they also need to make sure those references get in. But like 90, per, maybe not 90, 72% of the time, the episode title is not a reference. Well, and also it doesn't really matter. Like, if you called it The Two Dads, 
it would the it would mean it would have been about as the same to me as if you said the my two dads and be like oh you made a reference cool i don't even know what my like i know that my two dads is a thing i don't even know what that is that means nothing to me that's not a cultural reference to me a teen of 2007 so so i don't get into this title that much but what really bugs me about it is that in scrubs (laughs) they're all called like my and it isn't called the so this is like a a scrubs and OC crossover title. And with, it's really upsetting your brain? There is, there, I'm 100% sure there's a Scrubs episode called My Two Dads. Would you like to know some good news, Kevin? What? Scrubs is on Amazon Prime in Canada. I know it is. Do you know if they have the right, uh, right music? Most, so I've watched the first two and a half seasons yeah. because I was on vacation. And what else am I going to do? I was told to watch the first episode for school. So obviously I had to watch... 27 more. Oh, yeah? All of the music has been right so far. Okay. Because I know one thing that they had, like, like that when things go to streaming services, because they had all, all this the right, music. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't able to transfer over. Do you know how I learned that, Aaron? Hmm. Because there's a podcast called... Ah. W- with, with Zach, Zach Braff, Braff and Donald, Donald Faison. Faison. And, and they, apparently it's amazing. Yeah, it, it has been very enjoyable. They, they abstentially go through episode by episode, but really they just go in, the episode starts a conversation, then they just talk. And then they're just friends for half yeah, an hour. Yeah, then they talk for a certain amount of time, and then every so often they'll talk about the episode. It's really, it is the perfect distance away from the... The show. From the show that it's... reflect on it. Yeah, that's enjoyable. I will say, like, I don't remember exactly... It's not like the OC where there are some songs that obviously, like, Ryan drives away from the Mm. OC to Hallelujah, and um, Caleb's funeral is to Um What You Say. Yeah. I don't have that sense of recollection for Scrubs, but from the two and a half seasons I've watched, I've been like, ah, this is a song of its time. Yeah, yeah, I have... Yeah, I, Scrubs had a very strong music. Anyway, we're not talking about Scrubs, we're talking about the OC. And we begin the OC with the B storyline, which is, boy, is it a storyline. It begins with Summer looking at the creepy eye ring she was proposed to with. And then some brief fun happens. Taylor comes hopping in and talks about her New Year's revolutions, which are stop mooching off other people's family and get a job. <laughs> and eat more celery? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's something like that. It's very clear that this is the next day. So this is January 1st. Which is wild to think about when you watch the rest of the episode in context. It's gotta be the next day, right? Yeah. Because why would Summer still be laying there looking at it? Yeah, and and the the only other idea is that they didn't tell them for... A week? A week. And, well, that means also that Sandy didn't confront Frank for... And Sandy would never hold off calling Frank. He would be calling Frank the moment he reads that yeah. thing. So January 1st, Summer's laying laying there. Taylor comes in and Summer says, well, maybe you need to make a new resolution. Which is to plan a wedding. Which I don't really want. And Taylor basically sees through that immediately. Taylor's like, why? Why would you get married if you... Summer, have you learned nothing well, from my storyline this season? Well, yeah, but you should have seen Seth. Seth really meant it. Cut to Seth. Being like, I didn't mean it, but Summer was really excited. Ryan, what do I do? And Ryan's like, I don't know. Don't panic. I'm going to call your parents and tell them. Yeah. So the the way that Ryan forces Seth to deal with this problem is, I'll tell your parents you're getting married. You know, that'll be weird. <laughs> <laughs> so this cuts to Seth and Summer, and they're sort of like talking. You don't really see what they're saying, but it's like cutting around, and they're in different positions. And then it moves to Ryan and Taylor, and Ryan's like, 
so Taylor, Seth doesn't want to marry Summer. And Taylor's <laughs> like, yeah, Summer doesn't want to marry Seth. They'll probably talk about it and just, like, get over it, right? And so Summer and Seth come up, and they had a long, serious talk. And the results of their long, serious talk is, please be our maid of honor slash best man. <laughs> and I was really worried that what this was going to eventually turn into is like for some reason Ryan was going to keep it a secret that Summer doesn't want to marry him for some bizarre reason. Now, spoiler for when that comes up, he's not. He's going to immediately tell Seth. Seth, Summer also doesn't want to marry you. And Taylor's going to immediately tell Summer, but yeah. uh, will that matter? Uh, we'll have to see. Because first... Another important meeting must happen right away on New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And this important meeting is that Sandy called Frank as soon as he saw that dossier and was like, hey, why my son? <laughs> I'm, I am I took a little while trying to figure out how he contacted Frank. I imagine he did it through Bullet. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk to Frank? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Frank's a great guy. Oh, he's so good. He'll help you out with all of your finances, Sandy. And this is intercut with Julie meeting with Kirsten and, it, and she just brings up. The idea of Frank, which makes Julie just unload it all. Well, Julie, for being someone who was, like, very good at secrets, is now terrible at secrets. I, it, she has no room to hold anything else inside. I almost wonder, they, they keep on doing this whole thing, they're like, oh, Julie's actually really working with Frank. Um, that I wonder if he told her to, like, tell Kirsten or something. Mm. Anyway, Frank wants to talk to Ryan. That is that is his stated goal. That's the only thing he wants to do. Which means we have to look at everything he did in the past episode with the outward goal of he just wants to talk to, to Ryan. Son. So, so remember when he was like creepy lurking around, he looked at all of those finances, he kind of stalked Julie, he kind of threatened her about rem revealing yeah, her remember, prostitution remember, ring. Remember when he did like, you know, a bunch of like weird blackmail and When he stole Spencer's notebook? So it will be Julie that kind of fills it. Though I think the idea is supposed to be that they are both getting filled in with the same information. But Julie I, will tell us that kind Frank has recovered from his alcohol. So, first of all, yeah, let's, the let's, let's, only let's, 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 time. <laughs> so, Christian's like, I mean, Frank was very abusive and beat up his sons and his wife a lot. Yeah. And she's like, well, from what I understand, he only did that after he had been drinking. Well, yeah, it. it I hated this because it's very clearly Julie plying on Kirsten's like there's so much of this that Julie is very obviously manipulating Kirsten and we're not really like, there's nothing ever comes to roost yeah like, like, like saying oh he only did after he started drinking is a clear thing to put Kirsten on Frank's side she's like oh my god I also drank now I never beat my wife and child but I did drink sometimes I fell asleep and one time I drank wine in front of Sandy to make a point I was just kind of drowsy for a couple months <laughs> um, so we learned some facts about facts about Frank. Now Frank and Bullet met in prison, and it, I don't know how that. It had kind of danced around that Bullet was in white collar prison, but, but I'm not how sure is... why Bullet's white collar prison is the same as yes. Frank's beating up it's, his wife and child it's, prison. It's not that. It's not that Frank and Bullet. It's not that Bullet was in prison. It's I. Do, I imagine that Frank would be in like you know the the minimum security rich guy prison because he has no more money than he actually knows what to do with. And Frank would be in the poor person prison. Like the actual. I don't want to say the actual prison. Well, I mean to be fair, in Orange is the New Black. 
um, the main character whose name I can't remember goes to the same prison as all of the other characters whose names I can't remember. But isn't that like a plot point that she, like... <sighs> I don't know enough about how prisons work, but it seems wild that Frank <laughs> and Bullet would make friends in prison. Yeah, they're, oh man, everything we learn here, like, it doesn't make any sense. So here's how Frank, I'm going to say this exactly in the order that Julie said this in. Here's how Frank found Ryan. Frank saw that Bullet had holdings in Newport. And he saw Kirsten's name on the new match portfolio. And he found out from social services that Ryan was living with her. Now, we learn later, he's been out for six weeks. So, Frank moved fast. (laughs) Frank got out of prison and was like, gotta find my sons right away. Oh, Trey, prison? Did Trey go to prison or is he in a coma? What's Trey doing? Vegas? Yeah, Trey went to Vegas. (laughs) He was like, Trey, Vegas, he's fine. Don, dating that guy who's either a biker or a trucker, unclear. Cool. <laughs> what about Ryan? Ryan seems hard to get to. Yeah, like, it, the fact that, I mean, I guess I didn't want to say that he learned from Don or Trey, because he's supposed to have a bad relationship with all of them. But the process they made him go through to find Ryan is inherently sketchy. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, he got information from social services about, like... There's no way he did that in any way that is not, like, through force or guile. Because there's no way you can, you, you, the estranged father of a child who was taken, who they know, social services know that he was abandoned and that his father beat them. Like, that is open information to them. And they would just be like, oh, yeah, no, Ryan, he's totally, he's right over here. Ryan is over the age of 18, though. Yeah, but, I mean, that also makes it seem like even less like they would do it because he's an adult. Why do they still have his stuff? Now we have, He's not under their care anymore. We've also learned from Julie, not Frank, that Frank has not had a drink in eight years. Maybe because he was in jail, although I guess prison wine is a thing. But, yeah, they they do this big thing where he's like, oh, wait, he hasn't had a drink in eight years. He went through anger management. He he got a GED. And a he business, took business courses. He took business courses. And he got out of jail six weeks ago. I'm like, you can do all that stuff in jail. But is the connotation, like, especially with you haven't had a drink in eight years, that he was in jail for ten, like, eight years? Or... To be honest, and, like, I know they wanted to do it, like, he got out of jail and he just had to find Ryan right away. Mm -hmm. I feel like the storyline would be stronger if he did get out of jail, like, three years ago and was like, I need to figure out how to get myself together on the outside. Yeah. I need to prove that I can be a good man in the world I'm familiar with. The problem that we will see here, they'll continue on, is they want to make... and, you know, you could take it that that Frank has lied about a lot of this stuff, but it sounds like some of it she got from Bullet. Yeah, some of it sounds true. So so it, it's hard to tell, and maybe we're supposed to take it with a grain of salt considering all, you know, the whole Frank thing. But it really does feel like the show wants to make, because they know that Frank has been a villain for the entire, like, let's say first four seasons, they make a lot of excuses for him to put him in like, oh, but you can't see it's totally his fault. Like... Like, for some reason, him being let out six weeks ago. Like, why didn't he come see him before? Oh, he was only let out six weeks ago. You're exactly right, Aaron. A a just as good answer that probably would have actually been better is he wanted to get his life together first. He wanted to make sure that he was the type of man that he was going to present to his son. Anyway, the entire point of this is that he, that Frank wants to prove that he's a different guy. And Sandy's like, eh. But Julie really thinks he's changed. I mean, Julie... 
Uh, Julie is Julie. This episode, Julie, I don't know what I. It's I like Julie has forgotten that she was once a hustler. Well, it's like Julie has become has gotten Beauty and the Beasted. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She's just spent so much time with Bullet that she forgets what a man without an accent, who is vaguely more attractive, can be. All right. Uh, so this is the scene I talked about earlier, where it's Seth and Ryan, and Ryan just sort of is like, "Look, Seth." Summer also doesn't want to get married. And Ryan's like, or Seth is like, haha, the only solution to this problem is to smoke her out and convince her to tell me that she doesn't want the marriage. Aaron, I wish I could tell you that's that's how it went. Is that not how it went? No, Ryan gives the idea. Ryan tells Seth, I it is I know, Aaron, it's so out of character for Ryan to tell Seth to smoke her out. What did my brain do? Your brain corrected. Your brain made it made it functionally work because it does not work this way. Ryan is like, you need to tell her. You need to tell her. And Seth's like, oh, I can't. I can't. If I do, if I do that, then she'll get the upper hand. Is a big thing this in this whole thing. Then if I do that, she'll get the upper hand. I'll be the. I'll have left her at the altar, and she can hold it over me forever because relationships are a contest, I guess. Uh, And Ryan goes. Well, then I guess you'll have to smoke her out and goes off to work. I'm like, Ryan, that is the worst advice. But then he's out of the storyline. This yeah. is what I think by, like, this This could have been, like, exercise from this episode. Yeah, the storyline could be anywhere. Yeah. So that is going to be uh, Seth's thing, I guess. So speaking of storylines that could be anywhere, here's our C storyline. And we're going to get this <laughs> out of our system right now. Yep. This storyline stars Chris Brown. Yeah, say welcome to Chris Brown. Uh, this was just before a lot of stuff happened with Chris Brown. And Chris Brown is not playing a young rapper. He's not playing the king of the school. Like he's not playing a character that like a young rapper whose career just blew up would play. Yeah, he's playing a band geek who's really into reading books. So we. Must. Yeah. We must because we must, because he's in three more, two more episodes. We must excise, we must separate this young man, Will, yeah. from his actor, Chris Brown. This, this is before all the face tattoos and, you know. He's just a sweet young boy talking about Call of the Wild. And, and honestly, so the character is Will. He is a new student, as we are plainly told. I don't know if that's going to come into play or if it was just a weird thing to be like, here's why you haven't seen a black guy around before. He's new. <laughs> He's new. <laughs> Look, we got one. We got a black guy. We have cultural diversity. <laughs> Um, so, he, yeah, he's just, like, he, the character's actually pretty great. Chris Brown plays him fine. You just are constantly thinking, uh, oh, it's Chris Brown. That is Chris Brown. That is most definitely Chris Brown. So we call a lot of characters by their actors' names. <laughs> we will call Will, Will. Also, Will just fits his, fits this character so good. So he is giving this presentation on Call of the Wild. And he gives this, like, good presentation on the themes and morals of Buck from Call of the Wild. You know who hates this presentation? The Wards and Caitlin. Mostly Caitlin. Mostly Caitlin. I don't <laughs> think the Wards care all that much. They, they, I think they hate it only after Caitlin ex- expresses how much she hates it. And then she tells Will, a guy who she just met, how much she hated it. <laughs> so she goes up to give her presentation, and the Wards are like... Is she gonna do oh, it? Do you think she's gonna do it? Do you think we're gonna do it? So here's the thing. Caitlin is typical, super, super smart, super genius who has never been challenged or taken care of by an adult in her entire life. Yeah. Caitlin was told that the instructions 
for the presentation, which I guess is like a verbal like th- speech. Yeah. Is that they have to talk about Call of the Wild from the perspective of well, Buck. Well, Call of the Wild is from the perspective of Buck. Yeah. So and so she wants – she's going to do exactly what she was told, which is mm. deliver her speech like Buck would. Now, I'm going to clarify to you, Caitlin, <laughs> right now. <laughs> I get it. You're, be- you're being pedantic and you're being like, oh, I did exactly what you said. In the book, you can understand him, Caitlin. In the book, you understand what he thinks. But Kevin – in real life, you do not ever hear Buck talk out loud. You are reading a book and you are inside his head. Yeah! <laughs> so he may think that he's speaking eloquently, but out loud he just says, Ruff, ruff, ruff. He also never talks. Ruff, ruff, ruff. <laughs> ruff, ruff. Ruff, ruff, ruff. Anyway, the reason this is funny is Call of the Wild came out recently and it was a disaster. <laughs> now, I will say, Caitlin does deliver her dog speech. With, like, inflection. Yeah. She doesn't just say, well, I think she doesn't say dead face rough. I don't remember. But I love Caitlyn, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, so she does all this, and the teacher's like, okay, we're going to stop this right now. And uh, the bell rings, and the <laughs> other client, the other students have to leave, but Caitlyn has to we, stay behind. We get, we get one of my favorite, uh, not my favorite, but, like, one of the things that I always get a little bit of, like, a, a giggle from whenever these things happen. When someone does something that they know hourly, they're like, yeah, <laughs> this is very clearly a prank, really. Let's yeah, go she then. did a prank. And then she goes, Caitlin, can I talk to you? Caitlin goes, oh, my God, why? It's like, why? <laughs> Caitlin, <laughs> why, did why, do you, why do you think? Why do you think? But, man, this teacher has learned from the sitcom school of teaching. This teacher tells Caitlin that she's failing class, and while Caitlin is very creative and very smart, she needs to do actual work. I do like that this, that's, I know that that whole dream sequence thing was actually just Ryan's mind, but I do like that the connotation is is absolutely that it, that if, <laughs> if, if Marissa was dead, Caitlin would be a child prodigy, <laughs> but instead she is the, the girl who woofs. <laughs> so... For some reason, for reasons unknown that make zero sense. Will comes back in to get his books because he forgot them. And the teacher thinks the right thing to do is to force Will, good performer, good student. New student. To help Caitlin, noted jerk, genius but jerk, with her speech. Yeah, she, she literally... Voices the problem off onto Will, and he is clearly uncomfortable with doing it. And this terrible sitcom teacher is like, you two are going to have to learn to work together. Well, Kevin, if there's one thing we know about Harper is that they love sitcom situations. I know. It's just, I it's been so long since we've had really like a school thing that I forgot how much this school is like, oh man, this will get us a good plot line. I mean, it's run by Dr. Kim, the snitch. <laughs> So yes, now, now Caitlin has one more shot, and Will is I f- do very feel- much punished. Yeah, why is Will punished? <laughs> He's punished for being too eloquent. Too he has smart. extracurricular activities. He's busy. He's busy. He's got stuff to do. Okay. <sighs> so meanwhile, Sandy goes to visit Ryan at work, and there's some fun banter about fish tacos versus swish- yeah. shrimp tacos. But then Sandy, who's also genuinely very good, is like. Ryan, you got a break coming up? And then decides to foist upon his son while his son is at work the news that his son's other dad is in town and wants to see him. I mean, yeah, he, he, he's, he's, he's treating Ryan like an adult. 
he's telling him this these are the facts you make the decision i just don't like that he does it at work and i know they're just doing it for like like visual interest yeah it's most well not even visual interest probably just for compression of time so they could do it that day yeah that that day and that and also may it might even be that sandy was, maybe sandy is being smart and he's like if i tell ryan at work then ryan will go back to work and ryan will be distracted yeah and i mean it you know i i don't think it's the worst it's the worst time he could tell him it's not like he told him just like your dad's outside you have to decide do i let him in or not <laughs> true it, it could be much worse it just doesn't make a lot of sense like don't interrupt people while audience don't interrupt people while they're at their jobs to give them bad news yeah, well the if it that, can wait well i mean part of it is also that he doesn't even know if it's bad news he's he just like here here are the facts know that i that you are my family and that i love you what do you want to do now ryan's also not sure if it's bad news ryan is a bit perplexed he thinks huh kind of forgot i had another dad it's like hmm. he's from a different life yeah, and so he he has this moment where he like sits there, and I kind of thought this would become. I actually like this. I thought this was going to be like, oh, then he's going to dwell on it for a night and walk across the beach and think about it. But no, he just, just goes, ah, I don't want to see him right now. And Sandy goes, maybe later, All right. but not right now. Uh, he does ask, how is he looking? And then he has a lot of like emotion thoughts that make you think like oh i mean i mean it's a difficult situation He's thinking about his dad. Yeah, it's a difficult like, situation and they don't play it as anything other than a difficult situation Great. meanwhile meanwhile we have to meet up with frank and i learned that frank is the kind of guy who when he answers the phone picks up the entire hat like the entire structure of the phone which for some reason i always think is a sign of a bad person <laughs> just pick up the handset why do you need to pull the entire thing in front of you Weirdo. Well, because he's busy eating room service. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that would be why. So Sandy says that Ryan's not ready to see Frank, and Frank is distraught by that, but luckily, Julie Cooper Nichols is there. <laughs> They're having a weird dinner date. A weird room service dinner date. Man, they really are portraying that, like, oh, Julie and Frank, they're... They're finding each other. I'm like, Frank began this by blackmailing her. And he still can. And he still actually is blackmailing her like they don't really they don't really clarify it until the end but he definitely is blackmailing her at this moment so why is she hanging out with him all the time and why is she why does she keep having these weird like look, smile looks whenever he does things because julie knows what it is to be bad and she likes to think <laughs> he can come back from being bad but julie's being bad no no is equally as bad as frank the, the, the thing with julie's redemption is that julie's redemption came <sighs> Julie, I, I'm, I am still at times even hesitant to say that Julie was redeemed at all, or if she was just punished. Well, because the things she's done and still does to Caitlyn, yeah, are pretty not great, and we're just supposed to like them because we've come to accept that Julie Cooper is not the worst. Yeah, and not the worst is not a glowing well, endorsement. Well, I, well, wasn't I? Don't even think that she's not the worst. That we're supposed to accept a lot of things she's done because we've seen. The pain she's been through. But she also constantly is winning. Like, yeah. she 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 isolated herself from her fiancé and got the house. Yeah. <laughs> she is constantly... She lived in a trailer park for a little while. And, like, yes, yeah, she went through pain. Yes, her daughter is dead. But, like, lots of people's daughters are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying... 
Ah, what a great heartless thing to say. Uh, so Julie asks him, what are you going to do? And now Frank has to, I guess, do another thing. But first, Seth is going to give Summer some gifts. And those gifts are a cookbook and cooking lessons because he's smoking her out. His, his plan to smoke her out is to, inf- is to enforce gender stereotypes upon her. Luckily, Summer's smart. She, she sees right through she that. She really knows what he's doing. And she goes, oh, he's trying to smoke me out. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll smoke him out back. I'm going to also in gender stereotypes bridezilla. <laughs> she actually doesn't bridezilla At a, whole, all. a whole lot. <laughs> but uh that's fine. Yeah, so we're going to be see- we're going to be cutting back to that uh, wacky situation over and over again. But first, we have a scene where Kirsten's at work and Sandy comes in and Kirsten's like, "I have to talk to you because Frank and it turns out Frank is in her office, and he was just saying goodbye to the ladies. But then, something just slipped out. There's something he didn't tell Sandy. Just just completely naturally, in the flow of the conversation, it just came up. That he is dying. I wish I saw the conversation. Because <laughs> here's how it went. It was Kirsten and Julie talking about Frank and Ryan, and Julie kept... It was definitely Julie keep on being like, well, at least we all have our health, right? Right? We all... Because Frank and Julie decided this. <laughs> and Frank just not getting it, just like, hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, we all have our health, Frank. <laughs> Frank, don't worry that you won't see Ryan today. You will have so many opportunities to see Ryan many years in the future of your long life. The years you will live, Frank. <laughs> Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, hopefully, maybe, I don't know. Frank, <laughs> lots of opportunities, God damn it, so Fra- many years. God damn it, Frank. <laughs> Frank, how many years do you have to live? I don't know, probably like, oh, 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 oh like six? <laughs> I mean, six months? Six months? I mean, ooh. Uh, oh, what's a, ba- what's a time that's both reasonable <laughs> and also Reasonable extreme. and sad. <laughs> oh, I should have thought of this beforehand. <laughs> Julie, why didn't we role play? <laughs> anyway. Boom, that's the idea. And we have Sandy and Kirsten, and they're kind of like, this is the next day. Mm-hmm. They're kind of talking about Frank, and Sandy is sure Frank is lying, which is funny, because I'm sure Frank is lying. I, too, am sure Frank is lying, because why wouldn't Frank have started with that? And so we get a lot of a lot of Sandy's, like, stuff here. And Sandy's stuff is, Sandy's stuff is they try to play it that Sandy is, like, jealous that Frank's back and he's the he's the real dad but it never really does come off that way with with Sandy is never jealous he asked Ryan what Ryan wanted Mm -hmm. and Ryan said no and Sandy doesn't want to manipulate his son And and don't get me wrong we love Sandy so we we do tend to make a lot of like um, concessions to him, but... But that's because they give Sandy reasonable storylines, and they give Kirsten insane <laughs> perspectives. Yeah, like, like the reason why we are on Sandy's side is because the show does such a good job of putting us on Sandy's side. The we, way- we've had four years of Sandy Cohen doing things like this, then why wouldn't we not... Why wouldn't we immediately go to, oh, he's jealous of Ryan's real dad? Well, and the way this is very clearly written, and I have something later on that I'll refer to, Mm. but it's written like Frank has dazzled Kirsten by being eloquent (laughs) and not, like, coming into her office punching people. Yeah. There's also this weird subtle connotation we get from some people that... Well, but Frank's his real dad. And for a TV show that did a whole lot of, like, found family, cho- like, choosing people you love thing, there is a there is weird to have that subtext in this episode. They're like, oh, Frank counts more 
because he's his real dad. And, like, Frank is not even Dawn. Yeah. Dawn was around and flaky. Yeah. And you can understand why Ryan has complex feelings about Dawn and wants to keep her in his life yeah. some. Yeah. From what I understand, Frank left when Ryan was, like, six. Yeah. And, like, was in and out a little bit. Like, Frank is not Dawn. And now, to be fair for Kirsten, this is on brand with Kirsten's whole thing. Kirsten does really have this moralizing of they are family, they will get along. It's the same thing with Dawn. And she at least with Dawn, she was like She right. was she is consistent. That's yeah. true. So I can I can give her that. Like that is her her thing. So do you think if Ryan Ryan doesn't want to see his dad, he's not ready. Mm-hmm. Do you think if he found out that his dad was dying? Or no, do you think if he chose not to see his dad and then his dad died, Ryan I mean, Ryan might beat himself up over that. We do oh, know Ryan. I do. I do think Ryan. I do think Ryan would beat himself up over that. I think. I think Sandy's whole thing is not like I don't care if Frank is dying. I think it's like we need to see if Frank is lying. Like we. Like I think Frank is lying because this is still manipulative. Like this. This also would not be good for Ryan to meet his dad. Under the auspice that his dad is lying, his dad is dying, and then his, his dad is alive uh, forever, alive forever, and then he, then the whole trust is broken down again. There is layers to this. It's not always presented well. And you know what I think is fair is Sandy is someone who works with desperate people. Yeah, like Sandy is a DA. He works yeah. with people who are not at their best, people who are in bad circumstances, people who are desperate. Kirsten. Mm-hmm. For all of her thinking she knows the real world, does still, to this day, kind of live in a bubble. And and not only that, Sandy has always been the best judge of character. And Kristen believes everyone. Remember when she got scammed by her friend? Oh, yeah. Numerous times? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Kurt, the scene kind of ends with Kirsten being like, I want to talk to Ryan. And I kind of thought that was her being like, I will talk to Ryan. Turns out that just her stating, I want to talk to Ryan. We'll discuss this later. So here's a short scene. Summer arrives at the comic book shop because she would like to give Seth instructions about what kind of diamond ring he should buy and also pancakes. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, she pushes pancakes upon him and then they sort of like taunt each other with the kind of poets they're going to quote in their with, – with their whole like we're kind of playing chicken with each other thing. I would say selling each other what poets you will quote in your vows. In your is vows, not... it's not really chicken. That's not really, I, I guess maybe the idea is that they're bringing up. Oh, and I will give vows. I will give my own vows. Isn't that romantic? Don't you want to not get married? I do like that. Summer quotes. She does like a conglomeration of like Shel Silverstein and, and Doctor um, Seuss. Seuss. Yeah. And she goes, "I said what I said. I meant what I said." <laughs> Thanks, Summer. You didn't. <laughs> Alright, uh, this is where, <laughs> uh, Kaylin comes in to sort of, like, talk to Will and get, and get the whole, like, ah, uh, here's our whole, what, what we're gonna do here. We find out the Will is in band. He yeah. plays the kind of drum that you strap to yourself. Yeah. He, he's, he's just a percussionist, because later he has both a xylophone and, like, a big steel drum. And most of the percussion guys do kind of, like, bump around back there. Yeah. Um, but Caitlin will not be tutored. She shall not be tutored. Well, I also want to clarify... He's not her. He's not your tutor. He was going to just be around while you did your, your speech. Your speech. Your... So rather than being around while she does her speech, why not just do her speech? Which, to be fair, I like Caitlin is a jerk, but it is kind of what the teacher suggested. Mm, no, the teacher suggested that he that because he did such a good job that he could. That, like, the teacher is assuming that Caitlin 
doesn't know how to give public speaking. So what he says, like, Will. Which is a wild assumption. Will, you're so good at public speaking. Why don't you, like, help her do this thing? Um, and Caitlin decides that she's just going to be like, why don't you just do my entire homework? And what I like about Will in this scene is that he's like, I'm not scared of you. <laughs> I don't care about you. And I mean... Caitlin... Caitlin's... Caitlin's Caitlin, power at the school is wild. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but she has it. Yeah, and and her her the way she tries to like finally get him on board is she's like, well, she said that you know you have to help me. So if I fail, it means you fail. And I'm like, that's not how that works. But now now Will has her little flashcard book, and off off Caitlin goes. Though Will does mention that he's like, you're not dumb. I know you're not dumb. No, he says like he says something about like, oh, you're not as dumb as you think you are. And she was like, it's not about being dumb. Yeah. Like Caitlin does not care if people think she's dumb and she's not playing dumb. Well, no. It, she just doesn't want to do work that yeah, she thinks she, is pointless. Yeah, she doesn't want to do any work. But that's work what she's got to do. Work that she thinks is pointless. She will do lots of work. <sighs> yeah, fine. She doesn't want to do work that she thinks is pointless. Ugh. <sighs> Over at the uh, DA's office, Kristen shows up in Sandy's office with lunch, and she reveals that she wants to make sure they're not fighting. Yeah. Because uh, I guess that previous scene was a fight? <laughs> I guess so. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's probably their standard. Every time they have the huge blow-ups, those are very, very rare. I'd say that was probably for them a fight. Uh, we learned that Sandy has done... He's like, I want to take him. So he called the... The, the doctor the at prison the doctor, prison. And Kirsten says... Sandy, that's an invasion of privacy. My Kirsten, you at the very least know that know that Frank found your name in bull, in Bullet's holdings mm-hmm. and called the the social secu- social services to find out. Like he, well, he had to do that the opposite direction. Just to be clear, he had to do that. He opposite. has to find out where Ryan was yeah. and then made the connection. Yeah, so he called the. He called the social services to get where Ryan was. His grown adult His son. His grown adult son. And he got it somehow. Then he found your name. Like, you, <laughs> don't do this whole that's an invasion of privacy when Frank has done so much worse. I mean, he, she doesn't know that he blackmailed Julie, but he no, blackmailed Julie. No, that's, that's, that's what I mean. Like, I, like, I'm giving her that she doesn't know the extent of his scumminess but she at least knows what he's willfully admitted which is also still not good anyway they're going to find out um and sandy just wants to know either way before they tell ryan anything absolutely yeah hey aaron hey kevin is chris brown an actor well, according to his uh, Wikipedia page, he is a singer, songwriter, dancer, and actor last. So why is he playing a real character who we'll see more than once on this TV show? Uh, man, I don't know. Has so- he done other acting stuff? Or is like actor on his like Wikipedia just because he did the OC? Well, let's take a little bit of a trip back. So... Chris Brown came kind of like to well, to knowledge prominence, p- prominence with his uh, sing- single Run It, which was released in 2005. I don't think I know a single Chris Brown song. You probably know Run It, honestly. This means nothing to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so he 
that was like his big his big break is that boom he did that now that was 2005 when you look at his like filmography and all the things that he's done he actually has not done that much hmm. his his first like his first thing that he ever appeared in um that wasn't you know obviously a, a music video of his was that he he's just started like appearing for him like as himself in things like in in a documentary about him going to Africa in 2007 so 2005 was his big thing in 2007 he was in Stomp the Yard he I remember in, that he was in This Christmas okay and he was in the OC and those were the probably then though and those were the ones where he like really did acting so a lot of the times he just sort of acted as himself the only times he acted as someone else were the OC because he was on like the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody as oh, himself yeah. um he was in the OC he was in Stomp the Yard. He's in some movie called This Christmas. Then he was in Takers, which I don't know if you know about it, is an insane film with like a cast of like Matt Dillon and T.I. Like T.I. and Chris Brown uh, in it, which for some reason for me was the weirdest one where it's like, like because because it's it's not uncommon for like, oh, we're doing this film and this one, we cast a singer essentially to... But- Two, but two, two of them in one. Yeah, I don't count Ludacris anymore. Ludacris acts a lot more than he does. Yeah, he's super an actor. Yeah, Uh, well, it's sort of like Ice. But but I think also like it was it was the first big film like because on the yard supporting role it was the first big film for both him and I want to say Ti and Matt Dillon. He's a real serious actor boy. There's yeah, there was Matt Dillon in it. There's Idris Elba in it. It was like it. Yeah, it was this weird collection of, of uh, Hayden Christensen had a small role in it. Hayden Christensen did a thing that's not Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> good for him. Yeah, good for him. He's fine. Uh, <laughs> good Canadian Poor actor. boy. Poor boy. Poor boy. Oh, uh. poor boy. Uh, and yeah, so Takers was 2010. And I all, I remember that so much, the Takers movie coming out, because it was pretty much right around the time, right after uh, the whole Rihanna and Chris Brown Oh, they took domestic a abuse. gamble, and then he was not the draw that they thought he would be when they filmed that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was also apparently in Think Like a Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he apparently had an uh, appearance in Blackish in 2017. Though, in now, I have not seen him in Blackish, but he plays a character called Rich Youngsta, which makes me think he's actually playing a... Himself, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, he's, like, covered... He's, like, you know, he's got all these face tattoos that... So, the OC really seemed to be this... I mean, like, Stomp the Yard is a dance movie. Yeah. I don't know how this Christmas is. Uh, but the... Just rounding the mill there, he just played, like, a high school student. It's like he wasn't sure where his career was going to go, so he was like, better get some acting in there just in case. <laughs> just in case. And that's... That's kind of the history of... He... he yeah, he just came came in two thousand five and then did a did a little bit of acting, and then thought, <laughs> no, not for me. Well, he has a he's apparently in what was it uh something called there's some film called She Ball, cool supporting role come released in twenty twenty. Well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played, I he played a character called Rooster in, in Battle of the Year, which is a dance film. What I take from this is many people think they're actors. And Chris Brown is one of many people, although he's very good he's, in this episode. Yeah, he's he's fine. He he does he, he the, does the, the job. The he's thing, better the, than the wards. The thing you always see where when you have like you take a a singer who doesn't act and put him to an actor, or you take a 
when they do like like there's always a basketball player, there's always basketball players who get like weird roles, is that they don't do face emoting mm-hmm. when they're not acting. Like they'll sit there and they'll look, but they won't do like any of the emoting. I think singers tend to transition to actor better because there's a, a certain performativeness to it. Yeah. Um, but he does face emoting, so he seems like an actor doing it in acting. He does an acting. Over in the old uh, Mexican restaurant, Taylor arrives, and she yeah. and Ryan are going on a date after his shift. Except they're not going on a date because he reveals pretty quickly he has to go by Kirsten's office because she wants to talk to him. Honestly, here's here's what I think. Actually, and they don't clarify, but I think it's true. I think she works at the comic book store, and I think she just went to go see him after work. But she says she doesn't have a job. <laughs> well, I don't think she counts it as a real job, but I'm just thinking That's how fair. she covered for... For Seth when he was for gone. For Seth yeah. when he was gone. So I I don't know. I feel like that's probably... Like, I think here's We learned a little bit about Taylor here that she does have very specific views on things, and I can imagine her not counting that, like, is a that job. as a job. That's fair. I'm sure the comic book store does not cover her bills. <laughs> I, I don't know how many bills she has. She just lives in a house that no one has to pay for. I think she knows she should have bills, and the comic book store will not cover the yeah. bills she thinks she should um, have. Yeah, this this is where we get some, get some stuff from, like, I really like Taylor. This episode, she's a little bit iffy. Here's the thing, though. Think back to Taylor last season. Yeah. So, um, basically, the reason we're feeling, feeling Taylor feels yeah. is because Ryan says, Kirsten wants me to come and talk to her at her office. I think she wants me to meet my dad. Yes. And he says, you know, I don't really know if I want to. And Taylor is understanding about that. Mm. But what Taylor shares is that if her dad ever wanted to see her, she would be there in a heartbeat. Her dad lives like three hours up the road and comes into town once a quarter and has absolutely zero interest in interacting with her. The thing to clarify clarify is that Taylor's, and I'm not saying Taylor's acting actively, she's acting in character, 100%. this this comparison for me, I'm, I'm always like, okay, okay, Taylor, sure. Uh, there's uh, some differences there. Like, like essentially, Taylor's making a, some some father. What I'm going to call father absolutism, because I think Frank is actually more comparable with her mother, except for the fact that he that he wasn't around. She's essentially only looking at that your father wasn't around and not how your father treated you. Here's the thing, Taylor is dating Ryan. Yeah. And Taylor has not been dating Ryan for that long. Yeah. Because they got in their comas it's not true. long before Christmas. That's true. <laughs> so how much does Taylor actually know about Frank? Yeah. Other than the fact that he's a dad who's never been there for Ryan. Yeah. So, like, the this, the speech she gives is fine. Uh, I, I think I think the, th- the idea is that Ryan, Ryan does repeat it a little bit by being, by being like, our dads are kind of different people but i think that he takes from it what he needs to take from it and what he chooses to take from it is i just need to know i just need to know mm-hmm. well well because the big thing that takes is like, like if, even if only to tell him that he's the, like I, I want him to be there just so even if i could just tell him he's an ass i'm like you didn't even do that to your mom i mean don't get me wrong she, she you did, did you did it, it in a coma but you didn't do it in real life because <laughs> she already did it once the coma doesn't count aaron <laughs> She knew it didn't count. She knew she was in a parallel dimension. Meanwhile, Julie Cooper Nichols tests Summer on the Hebrew alphabet, and Summer tries to cook a brisket. This is a weirdly cute scene, because there's a moment there I forgot that that Summer's not Julie's daughter. (laughs) Like, because Summer will, 
after they do this whole thing, Summer will tell Julie that she's getting married. I'm like, you told your mom. Wait a second. It's not your mom. <laughs> not your mom. That's just a woman you live with. <laughs> but Summer doesn't have a mom, so. <laughs> the weird thing with the scene as well is that so so Summer and Seth are doing this chicken thing. And for some reason, Summer's actually doing it. Well, because Summer genuinely, I think Summer knows there's like some genuine truth that like if she and seth were to get married she would have to convert yeah she would have to learn so why not Hebrew. put the work in now <laughs> I, know, I just love the idea of her being like oh i gotta do this because <laughs> like honestly summer you because here's like one of them will probably like the idea is that they're playing chicken but one of them will probably pull the trigger at one point they just don't want to be the first one to do it i'm like i mean you <laughs> you could probably just lie but i mean seth does also do the things no no that, that's what i love they both do it they both they both are like take this and do this without me seeing you i kind of wish at one point when them lean forward be like you could be watching us right now <laughs> so summer tells julie what's up and julie's like oh well you gotta raise the stakes you come to the right person i'm julie cooper nichols i know what's up <laughs> i know how to manipulate people and win consistently Look at me, I live in a house I don't pay for. And Summer's like, oh my god, look you're at, so right. <laughs> look at me, I live in your house where I don't pay for it. I'm your mom now, Summer. Ah! <laughs> a booga, 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 booga. <laughs> in contrast, Kirsten meets Frank on the pier, and it turns out that Kirsten didn't have to talk to Ryan at all. Ryan was convinced by Taylor that he would like to meet his well, dad. They definitely did have a talk. There's a lot of times there's talks off screen for just some. Um, but like the talk that he has with Kirsten is essentially meaningless in the grand scheme of things because yeah, well, he already came. The to talk they had with Kirsten was your dad is dying. Yeah, yeah. Kirst, we do. It's not Wait, immediate. No. Did we find out yeah. that did Kirst- Kirsten tell Ryan? Because I thought Frank told Ryan when they went for coffee. I honestly don't think it really matters who told him. I thought I. We, so what he, I thought he learns it off screen. He learns off screen. What I thought was important, and I may have misinterpreted this, but I thought that Ryan decided to see Frank, and then found out from Frank that he was dying. And I think that's an, an important distinction that maybe they should have made. The, that Ryan made the decision without the information. The only reason I think that is because if he had learned it from Frank, because here's here's the thing: we don't actually see his coffee meeting with Frank. We skip right over to his talk with Seth, and. I think that if he had learned it from Frank in that moment, his conversation with Seth would have would when when Seth does bring up the whole like your dad's dying thing, it would have been a different feeling because Kirsten essentially prepared him for it. So by the time he had with Frank, they were because Seth does say so. You talked with him about how he's dying. I guess so. I'm disappointed because I feel like it takes a lot of weight out of the storyline if Ryan didn't decide before he knew. I, know, but, I think but that's an important thing about Ryan. But, but anyway, but he it, goes not, to see... It, but it's, the thing is, it's not exactly about Ryan. Like, part of the crux was Frank, tell, like, that being a thing Frank did. But I think part of it is also Frank not knowing his son. I mean, I know he doesn't mm. know his son, but I think reinforcing that he does not know his son, and he doesn't understand how families work. Yeah. Uh, the big thing, though, about the scene between Seth and Ryan is Seth... Oh boy, Seth has a little tiny like sling for pancake, and it's like a baby sling that he's wearing wrong. <laughs> yeah, and he just like reveals pancake, and he's like, "I got this, I got this rabbit in here." And Ryan's like, "Get out of my restaurant! Get a rabbit in a restaurant! Dig him out of there! Come on!" Uh, but I mean, really, the big thing is is that um, Frank is coming over for dinner tonight. But really, the 
big thing is that in the next scene, Will gives Caitlin back her notebook because he wrote her speech. Oh, yeah. And Caitlin acts insanely out of character by not looking at the notebook Kate, ahead of time. Well, it, I don't think she does. I think Caitlin, I think Caitlin is so, like, used to being, like, think about the wards. She she says to them when they said, oh, you he wrote your uh, wrote your thing, not us. She says, you've been replaced. She thinks she has a new ward. She thinks she has a new, like, person who will, like, do whatever she says. And what I like about Will is that he kind of, like, not, like, calls her out, but, you know, he stands up to her. Caitlin has gotten complacent in her old age. The Caitlin we know from last season would never have not looked at that notebook. And she should have looked at that notebook because it just says Wolf. <laughs> yeah, he just, he just he just wrote Wolf in the notebook. Well, I, I think it's a good character. <laughs> luckily, Caitlin's a genius. And she is able to... I mean, these are not great no, Aaron, parallels. No, Aaron, you know what? She's not a genius. Because here's the thing. She did the hardest part of the assignment and didn't do the rest of it. She didn't do this ahead of time. She comes up with a... No, 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 no. It on the fly. Yeah. Aaron, she read the book. The things she's saying here are not repeating the things that Bill said. She actively did read the book. Yeah, she read the book for fun, <laughs> not for profit. <laughs> but she didn't. And that's a sign of how smart she is. No, it's not. She did the hardest part of the experiment. Aaron, imagine if you were running a race and you were running and you got all the way to the end. Then you're sort of like about to cross the finish line. You went, ah, who cares? And then you'll leave. Do you really think the hardest part of the assignment is reading the book and not interpreting the book? I think for Kaylin it is because you, as you said, she is smart. Yeah, so she read the book for fun, and then she didn't want to do the work afterwards because she felt like she already read the book. I don't know why you're not getting this. This is who you were in high school. And I hated myself! Why do I have to prove I did the work? I already did it. That's what Caitlin is thinking. <laughs> but it's dumb, Erin. It's a dumb thought. Yeah, she's a smart teenager. She's too smart for her own good. No. She is not engaged by her school. But she's not a smart teenager. She's lazy. Those are two different things. And when she does do her report on on Call of the Wild, which I actually am really except about how the show did this, is she realizes as she talks about Buck how much she connects to the character. Yeah. Yeah. She says Buck is a person, but you know, Buck, Buck is a Buck. Buck's a human being. <laughs> no, Buck. Buck is a reference to like. She says, like, teenagers and that how she, how Buck was, like, you know, kind of abandoned and separated himself from the the, um, the, the wolves and the herd. And she has been doing the same thing. So, like, she has a lot of self-reflective stuff yeah. in that moment about how she is isolating herself because she was abandoned by her mother and sent off to a school. Yes. And she has been doing, and she's been doing exactly what Buck, Buck has been doing by separating herself, and she needs to not do that because she learned from reading a book and interpreting it. Read a book, kids. I agree. You should read a book. And then do the, then do the interpretations. Or go to a better... Teachers, you should do better by engaging students. Come to them where they are instead of forcing them to be where you are, which is by making them all to do verbal speeches in front of the class. That is not everyone's jam, and there are different ways to interpret and interact with text. We cannot clarify what that teacher does. She apparently also just wanted just voice to it. punish Will. Just punish Will, who did good. Yeah, she's not a good teacher. Not a good teacher. Meanwhile, Taylor is freaking out about the dinner. 
basically about all of the elements of the menu. But what it turns out that what Taylor is actually freaking out about is about the experience of the dinner. Mm -hmm. She knows this will be a hard night for Ryan and she needs to be there for him. But what if she's there for him wrong? This is their first real test as a couple. I that's what you got. Yeah. Because what she specifically says is I'm meeting his dad. And that is a that is a couple thing. Because she already knows his other mom and dad. Yeah. 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 Meanwhile, (laughs) no one told Sandy this dinner was happening. Oh, yeah. That was a real misstep. (laughs) Yep. Um, This brings it to another scene where it's uh, Sandy and and Kirsten. And we get more of like, oh, maybe Sandy's actually jealous. The problem is the scene is kind of feed a little bit like, oh, Kirsten is... Kristen is tricked by an abusive man using his abusive man tricks. Well, yeah, the problem is is that, like, yeah, Kirsten doesn't know, but we as the audience know everything that Frank has done. And it's almost this dramatic irony, but it's framed in such a way that it's supposed to be like, oh, no, look how, look how unreasonable Sandy is. Kirsten is just being like, hey. Look, he's nice. He's smart. He's changed. He's... Yeah, but Kirsten, like Sandy says... He still did those things. And and TV show, we know what Frank has done. We saw it. And it last wasn't week. cute. <laughs> he had to blackmail Julie to see Ryan. So it's hard for us to be on Kirsten. Maybe they don't they don't want us to but it really that's the the frame know, the framing is really hard on on Kirsten, which yeah. it always is. Like, this show, out of all of their characters, they treat Kirsten the worst. Mm-hmm. They give her the most undefensible perspectives. Yeah. And they don't write her well enough that we can be like, well, I don't agree, but I understand where she's coming from. Yeah, it's, 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 it's her thing always with the Atwood family is, but their family. And you know what? What would Frank have done if S- Sandy hadn't looked him up and called him? I mean, manipulated Julian Kirsten. Yeah, he would have kept on doing it until it was like, like and then later she would have been like, "Oh, I, he lied about it, but you know, he did it for look how good of a relationship they have now." He did it for love. He did it for love, Sandy. Right. Meanwhile, Frank called Julie for pre-dinner advice and a pep talk, and it's horrible, and we're not going to talk about oh, it. Oh, oh boy, does this scene suck? Let's head to uh, something a little bit weirder. S- Seth and Summer are going to make a hopa. Hopa? They're making a Jewish thing. <laughs> okay, um, but really, what they're what they're doing there is that Summer's whole at like escalation from Julius. We're going to elope. We're going to marry now. Let's go back to Vegas. Which is so weird because they're trying to go to Vegas last episode. <laughs> and Seth is like, "We got to get a flight." And she's like, "No, we'll drive." And at no point, she's like, "Remember how we almost got there last episode?" Yes. Yeah, so now it's like they're almost literally playing chicken with each other, just driving to driving, driving to, to Vegas. Vegas. So now we're at the dinner. And Ryan tells Frank about Berkeley. And Frank says, why do you want to go to Berkeley? And Ryan almost says, because my parents went there. <laughs> yep. But instead his parents say, we went there. And Frank goes, oh, it's a family tradition. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awkward for a while. Frank does tell this uh, pretty sweet story about how they almost went to... San Diego. San Diego. But, like, the driving trip was what terrible because Trey got car sick. And, and two flat tires. Two flat tires. And only and one spare. Them. And then there's a baby photo of Ryan, which Taylor's very excited about. But then, Ryan and Sandy go to clear off the table. And Sandy does try to be like, so, your dad's 
can do a dinner. Yeah, he's you know maybe maybe he did change, and Ron's like, yeah, maybe he did change. I and he's know. like, I don't know, maybe almost dying makes a person change. <laughs> and Sandy's like, what? You know? <laughs> Who told you? But then his phone rings. Yeah, and it's a prison doctor. And what I'll give him for this scene is that it actually is hard to tell what he gets from the doctor at that moment. And I was suspicious, but the scene did not tip me either way. Yeah, I, I, I had an idea just because of the because the scene was trying way too hard to make Frank sympathetic that I'm like, I know they're going to do a rug pull here. But the way that it's shot is that his look could be, like, he's looking at both Frank and Ryan. And he could either be like, uh, like oh, God, oh, now I'm going to have to, you know, kick Frank out because he's a bad guy. Or like, Man, Ryan is now dealing with a dying father. Oh, like, man, that's real hard for my son. Yeah, but we'll have to figure out what what that'll be. But we won't find out right away because Seth and Summer are driving to Vegas and then Seth pulls off the road and he almost says, I can't do this. But then he <laughs> quantifies by saying, I can't do this without asking Neil first. And I do like how both him and Summer, without speaking, are like, in person. Like, I thought that he was going to like call <laughs> him up or something no they have to go back to the oc and then up to seattle no seth has to go to seattle and like this is just children grasping at every single straw in their grasp i i don't mind this storyline except for the fact that it's clearly going more than one episode yeah it'd be good if it was done now but it's not done now it will keep going speaking of uh keeping going dinner frank loves taylor taylor is so good and taylor is thrilled by the fact that he likes her yes because taylor wants everyone to like her but especially ryan's number two dad yes uh sandy comes on out though and interrupts the sweet moment because he's got to talk to frank about something serious the phone call yes. and he brings frank into his office which we only see when serious things it's, happen. this is in the office and this is the main room but it's the room next to the kitchen yeah the bar it's not the living room. It's the other room. No, it's definitely the living room because Frank leaves from this room. Anyway, <laughs> okay. we find out the most important thing, mm -hmm. which is, is Frank going to tell Ryan or is Sandy going to tell Ryan? Because there is no cancer. Yeah, there's no cancer. Uh, Frank has this weird, like, <laughs> pearl clutching moment. He goes, you checked up on my story? Yeah, Frank. <laughs> what did you think? You're a lawyer. Everyone does say this very weird, but like, I think Sandy... Could actually call and get those records. He, he is a lawyer. And considering he's, like, the guardian of this bear, barely an adult. Yeah, that, that part I know less. I, I'm I'm less sure on the, like, on the legality of that. Yeah, as opposed to the legality of a random ex-con being able to call up social services and find the location of his son. So... Sandy and Frank kind of snipe at each other, then everyone else is there, and then when Frank realizes everyone else is there, I'm going to say he kind of loses his cool. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm not I'm not going to tell him. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. And then, then says, oh, fine, then I guess you can leave. <laughs> and he's he, he's not going to leave. Yep. You, chaos. you don't want to do this, Sandy. Uh, you don't want to do this. Stuff going, going around. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Sandy, full Ryan Atwood punches him. Oh, it is a hard punch that's not well planned. <laughs> no, no, Just no. Just like Ryan does. Punches him right across. And then Ryan, like, takes Frank and, like, walks out with him. <sighs> and Kirsten kind of like, 
what did you do? I'm like, what do you think he did? <laughs> well, at one point, Frank is like, what was I supposed to do? I just wanted to see my son, which is why I felt it was really important. And to be fair, either way, Ryan changed his mind mm-hmm. before he knew about the cancer. If Kirsten told him or Frank, Ryan changed his mind because of Taylor. Yeah. I was like, you didn't need your dumb lie, Frank. <laughs> so Ryan takes Frank uh, out to, you know, to talk outside. And we'll get back to that. But we have to wrap up one more storyline quickly. Caitlin. For some reason, at nighttime, is at the school. And Will, for some reason, at nighttime, well, he has band practice, yeah, yeah. is at the school. Well, I think they were, yeah, they were doing a rehearsal because he said, did you watch it? And she goes, no, I don't watch nerds. Well, because it's during dinner. Yeah. It's late. Yeah, it's late. Uh, anyway, she goes up to Will and she's like, so you pulled one over on me and I like it. <laughs> she effectively does the, no one has ever spoken to me in that way before. I like it. Like that's that is that is literally what her relationship now is. And Ryan's or Ryan Will is like, yeah. I I kind of want Will's thing. Like he he it feels like he might pull back a little bit here because he does like, hey, what are you doing? I wanted Will's character thing to just be he like because that's what Kayla needs. She needs someone who will just never give her any quarter. Yes. Like, like he, the, he needs one who will constantly call her on her bull whenever she's like, no, I don't care. He's like, all right, fine, goodbye. <laughs> and he need, she needs someone who is equally as smart as her, which most people are not. But Will, mm-hmm. he's smart and clever. Yeah. Uh, he, but he does play a little bit here of the, like, they're, them both being like, hey, do you want, you know, do you want to hang out? And she's like, ew, no, I don't, no, I don't want to. He's like, well, I ask everyone to hang out. And she's like, oh, yeah. Well, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, it means nothing. Yeah, 15 year olds. So back to the serious storyline with not 15-year-olds. Yeah. Ryan is not pleased, and Frank follows up with, well, it was one lie. And Ryan's like... I suppose the other things I've done, that's actually probably pretty good. And Ryan's like, it's a bad lie. And Frank was like, this doesn't even hit the top 10 of bad things I've done to you. And Ryan's like, this tactic is not working on me, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's like, oh, I want to buy some time. I want to do this. So Ryan essentially sums up the storyline because Frank's going on about how he Mm. improved himself. He wants to be better, blah, blah, blah. And Ryan says, it's too early. And Frank takes that. Not for you. For for me. me. Because Frank takes that as like, well, I'm not good enough yet. And Ryan's like, dude, I'm a child. (laughs) I mean, I'm an adult uh, for the most part. I still can't drink because it's America. But but like recently, I was a child and... (laughs) Dad, you gave me, like, one day to accept that my abusive dad might be a decent human. And also is dying, but then is also not dying. And Dad, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. He sends Frank on off yeah. in the cab, and he heads in, and he and Taylor make sure that each other is okay, mm-hmm. which is really sweet. Taylor's still very much a whole about this whole relationship milestone, and now, now you're ready for dinner with my mom. And Ryan... Is not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm never meeting your mom. I've, I met your mom in my dream. She's terrible. But then Ryan says something about his family. Like, no one's family is perfect. Yeah. And Taylor says, well, your family's pretty close, so you should go hang out with them. Yeah. And she leaves so he can go hang out with his real family. And it's a very small thing that they don't dwell on that much. And I kind of wish they had let breathe a little bit. But Ryan says to, says to Sandy... That my dad is right here, and that is such a very sweet and like engaged and almost the thesis of this entire like series, and they don't really let it breathe. It's just sort of a thing that I, I don't know. I kind of wish they let it they breathe. They kind of treat it like 
Well, you guys know this. Yeah, but I still wanted... Ryan needed to know it. I still wanted that moment where he's like, well, no, my dad is right here. Music plays. California. But we don't get that because Julie Cooper Nichols has to emphasize... Emphasize? Nope. Empathize with Frank. She doesn't sympathize with (laughs) him because he did deserve to get punched. Why? (laughs) But she feels for him. Yeah, (laughs) I don't understand why they decided that the that the conclusion to the to like their entire thing. I mean, not, not even the conclusion, but their entire thing should be like ah, and then Julie will learn to fall. Like they'll they'll fall for each other because they obviously had such a a sweet meet cute. Well, I mean, Frank did do something lovely for Julie. He cooked the books. So she can continue to do her prostitution no, ring, and she should do it because then she can buy the house she lives in. Yeah, I was like, in. oh, you can hide as much money as possible, and she's like, oh no, I I swore myself after the whole thing that I'm not doing it anymore. And then he and he does it in such like a weird way, like the way he says it is like, yeah, you should open that bakery, follow your dreams, be self sufficient, except for it's like, yeah, you, you <laughs> should be a madam. Yeah, you should you should be a madam and. Let's be clear, all those boys are very dumb, <laughs> so she's kind of taking advantage of them. And, I mean, Spencer likes it. Do the rest of them. And then... And then, and then as they stare at each other after he convinced her to keep being a pimp... Uh, they do a kiss. They do a kiss. So, I want to talk a little bit, just a little bit, about uh, old Frank Atwood here. They try real hard to make like, oh, he's... He's complicated. He's morally gray. Everything he does, everything he does is outwardly very scummy and selfish. You know who's actually morally gray and complex? Don. Mm-hmm. Because, like, and they, they... So the big thing they try to do is, like, oh, Frank, he just wanted to see his son. He just wanted to see his son. Like, no, like, but do you, want, do you know why, what you said, why he wants to see his son? He doesn't want to see his son to see Ryan. He wants to see his son... For absolution. It, because it is proof... That he that he has changed. It is a selfish reason. The only way that he can see himself as being a I have I have changed and I am now a good person is and is if my son if my son likes me again. He doesn't actually want to do any changes because we see him blackmail Julie. We see him lie to to Ryan and we see him beat up or want to beat up Sandy with we, one punch. We we see him we see him kiss his very best friend and like patron's girlfriend like we see him we we see him just be like yeah yeah he's like oh i cooked these books for you thank you so much and this and like blah, 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 blah. and also the, also that woman he had essentially all, absolute control over he kissed her like, so, he, like everything he does is just so bad it's not morally gray he's just scummy and so we know about trey yeah we know trey is a guy who wants really really badly to do good Mm -hmm. but the world is prejudiced against trey because he is an ex-felon yeah and trey lashes out in the wrong way when his back is pushed up against the wall yeah trey has we have seen trey do worse things than we have seen frank do but Trey is more morally gray than Frank. Yeah, because because Frank, we get no indication that Frank wants to go, do good. Frank wants to be seen as good, doing as little good as possible. Like he doesn't act, like yeah yeah we know that he he's gotten clean and he's done all those things. Well, we know that he told Julie he did it, it's and then Julie told everyone else. It's true. We 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 don't know that a hundred percent, and he and he's been proven to be a absolute liar, like. 
there there is no morally grayness to his character. But the the thing that sealed me in that you're supposing was morally gray is when he kissed um when he kissed uh Julie. He's supposed to be like, oh, they are falling for like like like, like that that is supposed to be a because Julie's one of our characters that we kind of see the world through. By her accepting that, we're, we're supposed, supposed to accept Frank. We're supposed to see Frank as better than Bullet. Yeah. Like, I think we're supposed to see Frank as better than Bullet. Yeah. Even though Bullet is objectively better. Bullet is racist and sexist and prejudiced, but he has the... He is the most open-hearted racist we have ever met. He <laughs> loves those Dubai princes. Yeah, and, and you know what? I am. Oh, I'm. I'm so sure that Frank doesn't have any bigoted opinions about things. Mm-hmm. It's. It's not like he. Like he. He implied that because Ryan. Um, was doing musical theater. He was like, gay. Like, how did that happen? And so then, what? You played baseball, and then I came back from prison. And you did musicals. And then Taylor says, "Don't worry, I'll straighten him out." And I'm like, Taylor, you're better than that. Don't stop, stop pandering to this man. You know who loves musicals, Taylor? You, Sandy Cohen. <laughs> also, you. And who's a good dad, Sandy Cohen? Yeah. So I'm not into this whole more like. Oh, he's morally gray. He just wants to see his son. Because he doesn't want to see his son to... He wants his son to validate his change. He, yeah, he wants to possess his son's respect. Not for not for his son, but for him. Which is selfish. Anyway, we wrap this up, and it is Seth essentially saying, Well, I gotta go up to Seattle, so I guess I'll be heading up there next episode. But first, family time. Yeah. So, Aaron. So, Kevin. Though this episode, did you find a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic just wanted to know if they should wear a jacket or not to an important dinner? And so they met with their best friend, Drama, and then there was kissing later in the episode. That's one of your weaker ones. I didn't plan it ahead of time. When I looked down at my notebook (laughs) paper, that was the scene description I saw. Yeah, there's also not a lot of Transformers stuff in this one. Anyway, that's enough meta commentary. So, a CW moment. A moment where drama overrode logic. (laughs) And you know what? I'm going to be honest. Yep. I'm a Caitlin apologist. Caitlin doing the woof, woof, woof actually makes no logical sense. Caitlin's main goal is not to cause drama or cause chaos or to stir the pot. She's not Cheryl Blossom. Caitlin's drama is to, or Caitlin's main goal is to, like, get through life, Mm -hmm. making the least waves she can, you know, disconnecting from society. Yeah. And standing up for the underdog. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. Consistently a thing throughout this this season, which means essentially the series, because Caitlyn's looking around for the season, they don't really know what to do with Caitlyn, and they're kind of it's becoming clearer and clearer with each episode that they they're just kind of floundering with what her storyline is. Because in in one, it's like oh, she wasn't as cool as she thought she was, so she has friends, but then when she has those friends, she doesn't... Well, she has a party. When she has people party, she doesn't she like it She actually much. want the party, and then one is like, well, she needs a dad, which she does need a dad. And, and then this one is like, oh, she's smart, but she's acting out. It's like... Uh. And there have been ones where it's like, well, she needs love and attention, which she does. Yeah. And, 
and but if, if they just they haven't directed yeah. that in a reasonable way. And if you're and you you're comparing that she acts a lot like like I did a lot in high high school with like I didn't want I I understood the stuff. I got really high marks on tests, but I didn't want to do any of the homework. I mean, you're I'm not wrong. No, no, you're absolutely correct. Um, but I didn't do you didn't do that. I didn't I just didn't do the assignments. And when they were like, do the assignment, like I didn't do it. Like uh, well, and like if you had a class presentation, obviously you would do your class presentation. Yeah. Because that's – but, like, nightly like, homework that – Yeah, her, her thing is supposed to be, like, oh, she's too smart, so she's acting out. But it doesn't match with the, all of her other stuff where, it's the, where the idea is that she's too smart, so she's just disengaging. Because doing the woof, woof, woof is engaging. She is, she is engaging with whatever is going on. It just, like – I mean, I feel for Caitlin, and I feel like this show has effed her over, and her mm. parents have effed her over. And Marissa has barely been helpful. Mm-hmm. But this storyline was for drama, not for logic. Well, and, and honestly, not only that, they, she probably could have been like, oh, Caitlin, your turn for presentation. And, and she could have made something up. Yeah, she could have obviously been like, uh, she's like, oh, no, I just didn't do it. No, actually, no, because we learned that when she actually does do the thing, she's able to improvise it pretty well. I think she has to be like, oh, I, you know, I, I was busy. Like, I wasn't or, able to do this. And then This is dumb. Yeah. And then and then she could have still made Will be like, all right, you got one more chance. Uh, I'm going to sit come Will in here to do this. And when Will gave her the thing back, and she was like, oh, yeah, you do it for me. When Will gave the thing back, it should have just said, said, like, good luck on it or something. Yeah. And then and then that that would have, I don't know, that would have worked out a lot better for how she had seen us before as not, she's not a prankster. She's not a prankster. She's, Caitlin has never done a prank. <laughs> she's not a prankster. That's the other thing is, she can sometimes be vindictive to people, but. She's she, not, Caitlin is pranky for good, she's not, not for evil. She, well, she's not a class clown is the thing. No. No. So, Kevin, did you find a CW moment? I did, and you might disagree with this, but I think it is a CW moment. And it's the scene where Taylor expresses that her whole thing about being worried about being like, oh I'm having a meeting I'm and I'm meeting I'm meeting uh, Ryan's dad I'm meeting Ryan's dad for the first time and this is very important and she's saying it to Kirsten and it just it feels very what's as, as I said along the line of Taylor's um father absolutism where she's where she is putting a lot more I am meeting his parent like Status upon Frank versus meeting Sandy and Kirsten? I don't think you're wrong. I think there are a lot of things that I instinctually understand about mm. Taylor. Because if you were a Caitlyn, when Caitlyn is written well, yeah. I was a Taylor growing up. So there's a lot of things that like Taylor does and thinks and feels that I'm like... Yeah, I can fill in the gaps well, with that, and, and I would love to see her at the at the at the um, actual dinner being weird and being like very much like that. But it's it's her standing there talking to Kirsten, being like, "Now I'm meeting, meeting his real parents." Like it's doing it to Kirsten well, that makes me be like, and see what I took from what she was saying was something bad and serious is going to happen. And I don't know what to do about that. So but, the only thing I know how to do is to make this person in this bad and serious situation like me. But the problem is that that's not how it's portrayed. And she has a – it's portrayed as I I want to do this right as a relationship thing. And she also even says to Kirsten, you make – you'll make a – you'd make a great mother-in-law. I'm like, he's she's already Ryan's mother. No, yeah. no. When she's saying you'll make a good mother-in-law, she means to her. I know. I know. I know. Oh, I I know what she means. It just it. I think I, 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 I think they could have cut out this scene and kept all her other acting 
the way that she was acting, and I'd be like, oh, I get it. She's nervous because she's meeting. I just think when they do the scene later, when she's talking to Ryan about how the night went, yeah. that scene she shows, like, really good because she's had some time to think about that, like, hey, this was a serious bad yeah. thing, and I was here for you. Yeah. And so I think probably it's just not well written no, enough but, in the earlier scene. Yeah, but I, that, I think the characterization but that's, is But that's consistent. why it's a CW moment, is that because the exact scene where she is acting, where she's being that to Ryan's mom is... I, Unnecessary. Like, 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 they I could- guess, like I said, it's because I'm a tailor, so I am like, yeah, no, I totally get what she's saying between what she's saying. So if you liked this episode, and if you think that sometimes people say things that are not their truths, you should tell us on some social medias. Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, and we're at gmail.com. You can also give us a rating, review, and subscription on your podcaster of choice, Apple Music, Spotify. We are everywhere. And your reviews, especially in this time where there is no Riverdale, is very important. (laughs) Yeah. Let people know that you like our adult interpretations of how teenagers act. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You and like think, it when we're apologists for teenagers. You like it when we're not apologists for them. <laughs> and you like it when we refuse to acknowledge that Chris Brown's on a TV show. <laughs> we talked about a lot for refusing to acknowledge him. Anyway, uh, see you next week. What will happen when Seth meets Neil in Seattle? Is Frank really giving up on reconnecting with Ryan? Will the Ward brothers ever be able to replace Caitlin? Oh, I don't care. Yeah, I don't really care either. For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A Teen Drama Fancast? 